The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. All right. I think we're good. Hey, uh, hey everyone. Uh, with me today, I have a writer, uh, no, the writer and creator of a uh, audio uh, award-winning audio drama podcast, Once Upon a Wasteland, uh, Brad Williams. How you doing? Based on Fallout, the Fallout series, correct? That that is correct. It's it's mostly based on Fallout seventy six, which is the the latest Fallout game. But there are some tie ins to previous games too. It's a it's a it's a pretty big universe to draw from. Yeah, no, definitely. I know. Um, my I I know I've seen like clips of the first Fallout, the second Fallout, but I know my first uh like in uh, introduction to it was Fallout three. I believe when it first became like more 3D and first person shooter and uh it, it's funny I I never actually beat it myself I watched a friend beat it like the whole thing so I feel like uh this is the same way where it's like okay I I can't really live it but the uh drama itself you know listening to it, it's very uh uh like you get sucked into that universe you know what I mean and uh what a like you're saying if it's based basically on the fallout 76 universe what inspired you to like go that route from you know i assume you just play the game uh yeah it's 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 kind of a a winding road that got me there so i a long time ago about 20 well up until about 25 years ago i was a a writer i did some tv work that kind of thing and I also, uh, I was an actor. I think I, I did my last real stage show in the year 2000. So I, I had a background as an actor. I also did a fair amount of voice work, narration, and those sorts of things, a little bit of announcing here and there. <clears throat> Excuse me. So I, I basically stopped doing that. But then I saw on Reddit somebody who had a, an existing Fallout audio drama said, hey, I'm looking for voice actors, so if you want to audition, why don't you send in a uh, an audition tape, and we'll see. You know, we'll we'll cast people and, and go from there. So I thought, what the heck? You know, it's 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 a low leverage kind of thing. I still had some equipment, so I sent in my audition, and I, and I did get cast. And that podcast is the Modus Files, which has been around for about a year longer than our show. So I got the role of Modus, which in in Fallout is a it, is an artificial intelligence who works for the enclave, which is sort of a splinter military organization that's built from the remains of the, of the former U S government. So I got that role. And over the course of that show, I've done, I think a total of six characters in that, uh, in that show so far, Modus is mm -hmm. the biggest one. There's a couple of other ones that had fairly prominent roles. So I had to stretch my, stretch my legs a little bit as an actor so that people <laughs> didn't necessarily peep that it was me doing it every time. But, you know, it's, it's, it's one of those things that I was able to do. So as a part of that, Lawrence, who's the, the guy that is behind 
modus files he and i had talked about storytelling and all that kind of thing and I, I i mentioned that i had previously been a writer and he said hey listen why don't you flesh out the backstory of your main character in 76 you know just you know write a little blurb about the character so i did that and he thought he said oh you know hey that's 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 pretty good why don't you write some you know some little scenes with that character so i did that and he said you know you should consider making your own audio drama podcast and it was a daunting idea, but one of the great things about Lawrence is, in addition to being very helpful, he also has a great way of of framing the way that these kinds of things work so that it's not the old saying is, how do you eat an elephant one bite at a time? It's that kind of a thing where if you look at it as you look at, say, Chad, or you look at Modus Files, and you're like, oh, my goodness, I can never do that because it's such a it's such a massive thing. Where do you even start? Well, somebody like Lawrence is the perfect person to to give you that information to tell you where to start and how to start and where the resources are and who you can tap if you have questions and all those kinds of things. Mm-hmm. So in October of 2021, after about, let's say about three or four months of prep of some writing, I outlined the course of the season. I wrote a couple of episodes, started to reach out to people for casting. I did an open casting call, but I really didn't get a lot of response. And I found out later, one of the, the people who's who's in my cast now said, people, and this made perfect sense when she told me this, people are often reluctant to audition for new projects because so many projects on sites like Casting Call Club, nothing ever comes from them. So people don't yeah. want to, they don't want to take that time because auditioning, you know, it takes time, it takes effort. And people don't want to go through that if it's just going to fall apart. So I totally not now that I have that perspective, I, I understand what happened, but I, I got extremely lucky. And again, this, this is all down to Lawrence being able to get in contact with, with some folks that I was able to cast as the two leads. And then the cast sort of fleshed out from there. So we launched, we did a prologue, which is actually Lawrence and I just a two hander as a prologue to set up the story. And then in early November, we released the first episode no, that yeah, I've been uh, listening to some of it, and it reminds me. Uh, I'm I'm not that old per se, but it reminds me of, like the old um, what is it, Lone Ranger, like radio kind of dramas, like Batman. Mm-hmm. And I remember hearing them as a kid, like maybe reruns somewhere, my grandfather or something. So it's interesting to like tell a story like that where, uh, you know you it's not even that you're limited to the means of technology that we have. It's you chose to go the audio narrative route. And then it intrigues me also as well, because podcasts nowadays are just, you know, people talking interviews kind of like this, you know what I mean? And to go the route of like an audio drama uh, is, I don't know. It's, I feel like uh, quite a feat, you know, considering, uh every content is everywhere you know what i mean as far as uh youtube and all that and then scripted as well where reality is what everyone tends to get uh more uh (laughs) bang for their buck for but i i guess you know it's i guess it's cheaper and all that but Mm -hmm. uh as far as like i know you you're just wrapped up like the second season Mm-hmm. Did you have it uh, idea to go that long? Did you have it? Because I know you just said you outlined it for so long. Did you plan to go for that long or? Well, the, the it's, it's, it ends up being one of those things where I, I was going to make a decision about how long I would go. Well, I would make a decision about whether I would continue when I hit the end of the season. So all that I really outlined that I 
formally outlined was what was going to happen in that first season. And then if I decided to continue, I just go through that process again. I, I do have an extremely high level idea of where I want the story between the two central characters to go over the course of a three season arc, but I'm careful to construct everything for each season so that the finale of each season can serve as either a season finale or a series finale. So I don't leave anybody hanging. And I also make sure I try to make sure that it's a satisfying conclusion if that does end up being it. And it's, I'm, I'm doing the same thing this year that I did last year. Last year, the season ended in May. I think I was in, yeah, I was in Austria when the, the season finale of season one dropped mm-hmm. and and I said I wasn't going to make a decision on whether or not to, to have a season two until maybe late June early July so I did that and I'm basically following the same the same path this time where I'll I'll just step away from it for a little while recharge decompress a little bit and at some point in that general time frame in that probably July August ish time frame I'll sit down I'll say okay do I want to go back and do this it's I did a live stream yesterday where I talked about this a little bit. This is difficult. <laughs> it's, it's, this it's hard to do. Um, it's, yeah. I can't imagine, especially at the, at the production y'all are, or you're doing it. I don't know if you have a team or it's just you yourself. Well, but, yeah. It, so mm-hmm. in terms of, so I do all the writing and I do all of the editing, sound design, that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, but beyond that part of it, it's also very emotionally draining to go through this process because obviously you you have to worry about making sure that you're putting a good product out there. So there's that part of it. But there's also you're, you're sort of putting yourself out there. And then the response to that is, in a way, a response to you. So it really kind of puts you through the emotional ringer when you when you go about it that way. I do. Uh, but in, yeah, in, in terms of actual production, it's, it's not, ex- I don't want to say it's a one man show cause it's really not, um, obviously, you know, I have a full cast that does all the voice work. And I said, because my background was mostly as an actor that I didn't want to be in the show. I, I'm in it a couple times here and there, but I, I made a conscious effort to not cast myself. And I know a lot mm-hmm. of people cast themselves in their, in their productions and that's, that's cool, but it wasn't something that I, that I wanted to do. Um, I do have a, a co-producer who uh, Vitriol who plays Odessa in the show. She has grown into an extremely important part of this this whole thing. She does a lot in terms of marketing. She does a lot of she gives me a lot of help in terms of re- reviewing scripts. Uh, she does sensitivity reads for me sometimes. She will I'll, I'll bounce ideas off her and say, "Hey, what do you think about this?" She's a very a very important person to me. So having having her uh, sort of by my side and having my back through this whole process is that's helped a lot. Like I I I don't think that I would have done a second season if it wasn't for her because I mm-hmm. just knowing that 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 she's there, having somebody that you care about and that cares about you, it, that you're able to share this sort of thing with, that goes a long way in in helping with that emotional toll that I that I mentioned. No, and yeah, I I know I've uh, had a story. I, I mean, I, I would like to say I'm more I'm a more of a writer myself too, but to go to the links you're going to as far as like actually producing and all that, I uh, it it looks like a lot. I know when I'll just edit something, uh, you know, real quick. It's like man, and, and you're there 
you know, putting in sound effects, putting in uh, the dialogue, uh, the music, you know, it's just a full fledged, like an old school radio drama. Uh, you know, uh, I don't know what else to call it, but yeah, no, it's, it's, it's very well produced. And I was wondering, yeah, how, uh, how much of a team you did have. And it was all mostly you. Do you like having that, like, I'll say creative control over it? Do you wish you couldn't, like, outsource it? <laughs> you know? Yeah. I, if, if in a perfect world, I would have a room, a writer's room, where I could show run, but farm out some of the writing to other talented writers just to take some of that to take some of that burden off and that's also the environment that i come from that i'm used to where it's it's more than one person doing that writing so you 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 really have that interplay and you can bounce stuff off each other and you can review it and you know in a 10 episode season like look at doctor who you know the showrunner can say all right i'm gonna write these four episodes you're gonna write these two you're gonna write these two and then the showrunner will you know they they have final say on everything and they'll probably edit the scripts and those kinds of things. And I would absolutely love to be able to get out of the editing game. That's something I have no experience with. Well, I should say had have, I had no experience going in with doing that. I had never in my life opened up a DAW to do any kind of editing. So one thing that I think has helped is I do think I have a pretty good ear and with dialogue that's, and especially a show that's as talky as mine that's really important to be able to get that right to make it sound like it's two people talking because all the recording that we do is async. So you have Letitia who's over in the UK recording her lines. You have vitriol in Pittsburgh. You have Lucy recording hers in around Washington, DC and all doing them at a completely different, completely different times. So being able to, to stitch that together in a way that sounds like people talking, it's a huge credit to them the fact that they can record like that and make it sound like they're talking to somebody or talking with somebody, not even just talking to somebody. So huge credit to them to make my life easier. So I don't really have to worry about that part. And then for me, when I edit it, I just have to worry about number one, matching up the sound, making sure the EQ is, is the same. I do a little bit of a pan. So it sounds like they're coming from, you know, slightly from one side or the other. And probably the most important part is getting the rhythm. that conversational rhythm of how, how people talk Mm -hmm. and different people talk differently. Like they have different rhythms to their speech. I have a different rhythm from you. I have a lot of stupid pauses when I talk. Um, But there's a lot of things like that and having, having an ear for that. So if I have Amanda talking to Odessa, it's going to be different from Beth talking to Cindy because all four of those people have different ways of interacting. So that, that, that part of it is probably the fun part of editing. And it's, it, it's always nice to learn new things, but I don't think that I'm particularly good at it. So it's one of those, and I don't think I'm bad at it. I don't think the sound, show sounds bad. I'm not, I'm definitely not implying that. I think it sounds really good, but I see what other sound designers, what experienced sound designers are able to do in the independent audio drama scene. And I, I can't, I can't do that. Uh, this, the, the way that I go about things is very utilitarian and it, it gets done, but it's not elegant in the way that, that a lot of these other shows are. And that would be a nice thing to have. Mm-hmm. No, I, I heard it sounds like, I don't know. It sounds great uh, for it being, I wouldn't say, yeah, like you said, necessarily a one man show. You do have like a little bit of a team, but as far as you, um, putting the labor of love into it uh, i'm sure you're <laughs> it, it, you wish you could like 
I don't know. It's 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 mostly a labor of love coming from you, mm-hmm. from what yeah. it sounds and, like. And and that's and that's part of it too, because like this is my passion project and it's my vision. So I also feel a little bit weird about asking people to put themselves out there and 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 invest that much of themselves in something that is my passion and not theirs. And that's why vitriol doing coming on in the way that she has that that works her her doing that works because she's a part of this and i I told her i was talking to her about it the other day i said you know you're so much a part of this show's dna like every bit as much as i am and that shows through in the product and and as her involvement got bigger and bigger i think you can see that evolution in the in the tone of the show in the the way that emotions are conveyed in the show so she's she's a an extremely important part of of what makes the show what it is and uh i i know um from what i think i saw on your site bethesda's pretty friendly with uh fan made you know Mm -hmm. items have they ever reached out to you or giving you some sort of uh like hey uh props to uh (laughs) <laughs> what you're doing as far as the audio drama yeah they have actually and and it was nice because bethesda is pretty famously they're not big on promoting or acknowledging audio dramas um the only one that they had promoted directly was chad which is the the first fallout audio drama podcast it's amazing if you haven't listened to it you should kenny is in addition to being an incredible creator he's an amazing guy like he does an insane amount of charity work you guys got a motor like no human being i've ever met but he's pretty closely involved with bethesda on a lot of this stuff like he gets bethesda people in the show mm. um and he told he told me basically what happened was he made the show, he put it out there, and some of the developers started listening to it, and it just sort of rolled from there. So I asked him early on, I said, okay, so what do I need to do? Who can I reach out to to try to get Bethesda to recognize what we're doing here? And he said, you can't. Like, there's really no way to do it. Do what you're doing. They will reach out to you if they if they want to. There's no way to goose it. And I was shocked when they did. So, yeah, so they they have they've directly promoted us uh, on social media. They during the 25th anniversary run up, they gave us several things to do giveaways for. Mm. So they gave us a a bunch of um, the fallout 25th anniversary lithographs. They gave me, I think, two hundred dollar Bethesda gear store gift cards to give away. And all of those giveaways were leveraged to promote the show because, you know, they said, hey, you can work these giveaways and you know get more social media followers get the word out and you know and 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 then they directly promoted the show too which so our show and chad are the only two shows that bethesda has formally acknowledged in that way and they've also sent me personally some some really cool stuff um i've posted about it on social media but they send uh you know care packages of fallout (laughs) merch like the one thing they sent is was and it was i guess it was around november of last year they sent a, a leather travel bag, a Fallout 76 leather travel bag that is just amazing. Like it is just super quality. And there was like a responders blanket in there. And there was a little pack of breath mints and a Mentats tin, stuff like that. A journal, <laughs> which a, a journal, which I sent to, to, to vitriol because she loves journals. But yeah, they, they, they sent a few, a, a few packages like that. And, and, you know, that's the kind of thing that really makes you feel good. Um, you know, it's, it's nice to get stuff. Definitely. 
but the the recognition and and the fact that Bethesda is tacitly saying, "Hey, we like what you're doing, so keep doing it." That 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 means a lot. Yeah, definitely. No, I would love. Yeah, and <laughs> not only do they acknowledge it, but they uh, support it in that manner. You know, mm-hmm. not not any sort of uh, cease and desist or right. anything yeah. like that, where it would just want you to stop what you're doing. You know, mm-hmm. well, so and, that's... And, and that's and that's one thing about Bethesda. They are great about allowing uh, fan creations of all kinds of different stripes. So they don't, you know, they're happy. You do a Fallout discussion podcast, you do a Fallout audio drama, you do fan art, whatever they're cool with it. They wouldn't be cool with it. If you make it a commercial endeavor, like, you know, if ABC decided to start doing a fallout audio drama, they would sue them, but, but just individual people they're cool with it. And I mean, I'm, I'm surprised sometimes at what I see people get away with that. They saw me straight up Bethesda trademarks that are sold in merch stores. And I'm like, okay, (laughs) I'm, I'm glad, I'm glad you got that hustle. Like I'm not, I'm not telling on anybody. Uh, cause you know, you gotta get that cheddar and I'm, I'm happy for, for anybody that, that goes out there and gets it, but, they, but yeah, they, they, they wouldn't, they wouldn't, uh, they wouldn't say anything. I, I guess, and I, I don't know the answer to this, but maybe if it was offensive in a way that reflected poorly on fallout and re- reflected poorly on, on Bethesda, maybe they would do something like if it was racist or, if it was yeah. homophobic or something, you know, if it was, if it was problematic in that way, I, I wonder if they would, uh, but I don't, I don't know necessarily that they would, they it's, I think it's probably more likely that they would just ignore it and just say, okay, that's going to exist in whatever corner of the internet people that like that kind of thing, hang out in, and we're mm-hmm. just going to pretend it doesn't exist, you know, unless it becomes, you know, some kind of a giant problem. Yeah, and it sounds like you treated the property, you know, with respect, and it shows, you know, and, and with the writing and all that. And, and as far as your writing goes, I know you say you've done writing before. As far as uh, the story, or where, where does your like inspiration come from? As far as like uh, writing for the story, do you have any sort of uh, I don't know uh, a book that like you know you know an old story, old book, or from play you play the game yourself mm-hmm. yeah I, i've uh i'm sorry does the game like immediately inspire you like just playing through the world well to write kind of you know the so i'll tell you where the where the original first nugget of the idea for the story came from when the first deal or the second dlc which is was the the first brotherhood of steel dlc dropped Odessa Valdez, a character in our show, was a prominent character in that DLC. Odessa was a character that the the the, the Fallout fan community really latched onto, and we're like, you know, this is a you know, this is a really great character, and it turned into a running joke on Reddit that you you couldn't romance her, as you know, in, in Fallout games, oftentimes you can romance characters and enter into you know romantic entanglements with them. But you couldn't do that with Odessa. I don't know that you can necessarily do that with anybody in 76. But anyway, you couldn't do it with her. And people were like, oh, I sure wish I could do that. And I was like, well, what if you could? And that's <laughs> that's where it started from. So it turned into a romance involving that that character. So so really, I mean, the first the foundational relationship of the show did come from the game. But mm-hmm. 
more generally speaking, when I write, what I think about are things that have moved me in the past. And I try to think of, okay, why did this scene from a movie or scene from a TV show move me? Why did it make me feel that way? So I dive into that and then try to replicate that feeling in my own story. Uh, and a lot of the, a lot of it comes down to tropes. You know, tropes are not necessarily bad. I think tropes get a bad rap sometimes, but I think that they, they are often a necessary part of storytelling. Like so many things though, it comes down to execution. I think a good example of that is in, in the ninth episode of the first season, one of the things that I really wanted to do, cause it's one of my favorite, I mean, one of my favorite tropes is the rousing speech where you get a, you know, a leader or someone who stands up in front of the group and gives that speech that makes everybody, you know, run out and charge. You know, there was one in animal house where Bluto gives the speech to the guys, which has that, that classic line. Uh, was it over when the Germans bombed Pearl Harbor? And they, it's like, like, should we tell him? No, no, no. He's rolling. Don't, don't say anything. Um, and also another good one, which is what I'm, I'd be surprised if it wasn't an ad lib by Belushi because it was hilarious. And the timing was perfect. Cause he said, and when the going gets tough and he just delayed because he couldn't remember the rest of the saying and the music vamped and it was it, and, then he, and the tough get going. And then, you know, so you have rousing speeches like that, the, the classic one. And the one that I based mine off of is the St. Crispin's Day speech from Henry V, because that's sort of the, the, the standard, uh, the, the standard bearer for that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And I th- just the way that made me feel I'm like, OK, I want to write something in that vein that makes people feel the way the future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly but then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about that's why we've created the hefty renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials to participate simply fill up an orange hefty renew bag with accepted items tie it up and drop it in with your regular recycling that's it it's that easy it's time to rethink recycling with renew Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. That that speech made me feel. And it's like that for a lot of different things. No, and um, do you, I, I know this is kind of uh, ironic, or uh, would you say, considering you said you uh, played an AI character in the other uh, uh, drama, right? As far as a speaking voice, do you think AI uh, nowadays is something you would use to help you write uh, or to as a crutch to lean on or do you think it's gonna not necessarily you but as far as all like writing nowadays impact in that way you know well i i think that ai has the potential to have some creative uses in in terms of writing uh like one use case that i've that i've seen is people using it for names because i i can tell you i'm bad at names um, so, you know, things like that, I think more utility kind of things, but an AI is never going to be, I mean, never say never, I guess, but I, I don't think it will ever be creative in a way that a writer like Kenny or like Lawrence or like me can be because all it's really doing is taking what's already been made, parsing it and sort of rejiggering it and putting it out there, which is despite the fact that we all work from inspirations and we, we draw from our own experiences, you know, it's, it's in a very broad sense, it's similar, 
but it's not the proof is in the pudding and an artificial intelligence right now can't put things together in a way that will resonate with with human beings it's you know for i guess for buzzfeed or for um press release copy the kinds of things that are are practically built from a template then maybe an area like that uh but in terms of actual writing and i've actually used chat gpt because i wanted to see i asked mm-hmm. it to write uh, a few scenes with with different prompts and they are not great uh <laughs> I, I will say they're not the worst things i've ever read but i've read some really terrible stuff i mean <laughs> humans are capable <laughs> of making awful scripts too but it's just it was it just it, it sounded like it was written by a computer and yeah. maybe and maybe it'll get better. I mean, I'm sure it will. Technology always does. But I I think that it's more likely to become something that studios use so they don't have to pay people than something that will create a good product. And that's why a big part of the WGA strike that's going on right now, one of the big uh, negotiation points is. WGA says no AI. You cannot use AI at any stage of the writing process under the under the bargaining agreement. And the studios are like, well, no, we're not going to agree to that because they want to avoid paying people. They don't care about the quality. <laughs> All they want is to be able to put content out there. So a guy like David Zaslav is like, oh, I can use an AI to make ten seasons of ninety day extreme bash bass fishing fiance or whatever show is coming this fall on discovery and he doesn't care uh but the people that people that appreciate good tv and i think there are a lot more of those people out there than the studios want to admit people that want really good well-written well-acted tv film audio entertainment it's they're trying to the studios i think are just basically trying to get away with as much as they can in terms of not having people create this kind of content. And I, I hope that that is one of the parts of the WGA strike that, that, that we're successful with. Cause it's, that's, I think moving forward, one of the most important aspects of, of, of that, of that agreement on along with streaming residuals, which are the, a, a big problem right now. Yeah. I've, I've noticed like with AI and like you said, as far as writing scenes, and I've seen, you know, uh, it write a com- comedy, like a comedy special. And it seems like it doesn't know when to stop for the human to feel that emotion. It just keeps going. So mm-hmm. it, it feels like it omits emotion as far as like funny or sad mm-hmm. or, you know, anger. It, it, it doesn't take that into consideration. It'll, it knows how to write a joke, but it doesn't know why you're laughing. Mm-hmm. It doesn't know when you're supposed to laugh. So. Yeah, that, that's like, a good way to put it. it. It understands the mechanics of some of this stuff, but it doesn't understand the why behind it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and like you said, it's just uh, almost regurgitated, uh, you know, from all the past thing. Which I mean, it, that that's kind of how the real life writing is, almost. Where of course we're taking from Shakespeare or from the old Greek stories and just kind of making our own thing. But uh, it, it's doing it in a way where like it's yeah, it's it's very calculated and with no emotion, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. As, and, and, and that's that's one thing that I learned early on, because when I first started writing, I would work on something and then I'd, I'd stumble upon something that 
was very similar. I'm like, oh my god, like can I not come up with a with a with an original idea? And then I realized there aren't that many original ideas left. No. Like at, at the at the at the base at the most basic level. So it really comes down to how you how you tell your own story, even though something very like it may have been told in the past. Uh, and and Shakespeare is a good example of that because you have Taming of the Shrew, right? Taming of the Shrew was remade as Ten Things I Hate About You. So people, even even at that level where you're taking literally the same story, like you're you're consciously taking the same story and adapting it into into a more modern kind of environment, even then you can do some really great stuff. So it's mm-hmm. it's it's one of those things that I don't I don't get hung up on. And I mean, I'm not in a position where I'm going to be like Ed Sheeran and somebody's going to sue me because my because <laughs> my story sounds vaguely like something else. <laughs> and, and and that's that's another interesting thing when you when you deal with when you deal with studios. And I, I cringe when I see this. It's it's actually kind of similar to the Ed Sheeran thing. Because of that reason, sometimes if people have their their pitches or their ideas not picked up by a studio and then they see a very similar story come up, they're like, oh, my God, they stole my story. Well, they it is extremely unlikely. I'm not saying it doesn't happen because, sure, it, of course it does. Mm-hmm. But it is extremely unlikely that in your individual situation, that's what happened just because of that, that thing. And it's the same thing with Ed Sheeran. Can you, can you trademark or copyright a chord progression? Well, the court says no, and I would tend to agree. Uh, so yeah, it's, 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 there's a lot of, there's a lot of murky ground with, uh, with some of this stuff. And it's, it's interesting. It's, it's, it really comes down to, you just kind of close your eyes, let go and write your story and let the rest of it come out in the wash. Just make the best story that you can. Don't worry if you uh, don't worry about potentially realizing down the road, Oh my gosh, this sounds, this sounds derivative. It wasn't derivative when you wrote it. So, you know, the fact that you found out later that there was something that, that reminds you of it. Well, that's, that's okay. That that's, that's going to happen. And I think you're in a better position with that. Cause you, you know, this is like a labor of love. I feel like if you were, uh, making it, you know, you had deadlines, or you, I'm sure you give yourself deadlines. But for a company, you're of course you're gonna not care if it's derivative or not. You know, it's just like oh, I'm getting paid the same whether it's uh, good quality or not. You know, uh, oh well, you know. Uh, well, it it does it does reduce the chances of getting a, a subsequent jobs if if what you create isn't good. So there there is yeah. there, there are some considerations there where you you still want to put put the best product, but it is it is definitely a different a different kind of a thing when you're when you're doing something like this versus when you're doing something for hire. So mm-hmm. and and you know you, you get kind of something in the middle a little a little bit where you have a showrunner that pitches an idea and then sees that idea through on a show. So it for them it is. Uh, a, a, it is a passion project, but it's a passion project that a studio believed in and they're, you know, they're backing that vision. So, yeah, so you, you know, it, there, there's different degrees of, of that kind of thing. But there's also like Kevin Smith is a, is a guy, the, the guy who did Clerks and has done several mm-hmm. other really, really awesome movies. Uh, one of the things that he does, he's talked about this, is he'll do script punch ups and script rewrites. He's like, if I need if I need a little bit of money. I'll call the studio and they'll send over a script and he just kind of goes through and, you know, fixes dialogue and fixes jokes and changes action beats and just makes it a little bit better. And that's more of a, you know, that's something that he doesn't have any personal emotional investment in. It's just, he's a really good writer and he knows what he's good at. So he's able to go into these scripts and, and maybe make, make the things better that he's capable of making better, even though he doesn't have that, that same passion about it necessarily. In that case, it's more of a mechanical kind of a thing. 
uh, but that's very common in 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 Hollywood for for folks to do punch ups like that. Yeah, no, definitely. And I was, I was saying here, um, I know, uh, you know, you're writing for, or, you know, it's from Fallout. Were there any other games, uh, you you'd want to, I don't know, necessarily write for or consider like uh, branching out to a different type of uh, video game uh, to explore that world, you know, well, as far as the drama? Well, I am taking part in uh, an anthology series that's going to come out in, it's going to start in September. I forget which episode I'm signed up for. It's either episode five or episode eight uh, for Starfield, which is Bethesda's next big game. And that's a, a project that Kenny, who does, who I mentioned, who does the Chad podcast, he's in charge of that. So he's doing, I think he said, four episodes himself and the rest of the episodes. I think then there's eight total episodes in the middle that other writers are doing. Each each of the other writers is doing one episode. I think each of us are only doing one episode. But that's that's a video game property that I'll be writing a single standalone episode for because Kenny's amazing. And I you know, just to be involved with anything that that he's doing is is an honor because he's he's. He's a, he's a great guy. Like, you know, like I, like I said, he's, he's not just immensely creative. He's just a really good person. He's helped me a lot. Um, like one of the things that I was concerned about going in was, okay, I'm writing a story that's that centers on a romance. That's a same sex romance. And I asked Kenny is I, I, I wanted to make sure I had standing to tell that story. And we talked about it. And, you know, his opinion was absolutely, you know, there, there is no problem about it. But then he, he, he pulled it and he has a lot of reach. So, you know, he, he, it was funny because he said, he said, when I pull this, I think it's going to come down to about 80, 20. He said, I think about 80% of people are going to be fine with it. 20% of people are going to say, no, you shouldn't do it. So he put the poll out and had a ton of votes and it ended up being 85, 15. So 85% of people said it was okay. And 15 said it wasn't. So little things like that, where I can get his perspective uh, in a, a, a number of different ways as a, as a creator, as a human being, as somebody who's been through all this before, it's, it's nice to have that kind of, that, that, that kind of a resource. But in a, in a broader sense, I didn't, I didn't necessarily go in wanting to do a story based on an existing IP. Mm -hmm. I, I'll say that I would, I would generally prefer to tell, tell stories built in a world of my own creation. And I think one of the differences between season one and season two is while they both still take place in the Fallout universe, season two was a little bit more untethered from Fallout lore and the, you know, sort of the overall environment. It's, you know, it still clearly took place in Fallout 76's version of West Virginia, but the story diverged from that central narrative in a way that. I don't think really any other fallout audio dramas do. So I, I kind of, I guess I'm, I'm hedging my bets a little bit or trying to have my cake and eat it too, where I'm, I'm very much telling my own stories. And, and in a lot of ways, these stories at first blush don't necessarily have to be in the fallout universe, but they're set in the fallout universe. So I, if, if I move on and do other things at, you know, whenever I stop doing this show, if it's now, if it's after a third season, whatever, if I do another project, I think it will not be based on an existing IP. Okay. No, that I remember. Uh, do you know of uh, the game? I think it was a tabletop RPG shadow run. Oh yeah. Yeah. My friends yeah. actually back in, back in Pennsylvania played, played that a lot. 
Yeah, I remember. I don't know if you remember they they released a Shadowrun first person shooter game for the Microsoft the the 360, mm-hmm. and everyone hated it back then because it it did a lot of things that well for one Shadowrun's more of a tabletop RPG, so to make it into a first person shooter uh, was you know blasphemy. Mm-hmm. But then also it was one of the first games to have cross platform where you could play against uh windows users and then it was <laughs> everyone shits on it now that one of the first games where it was only multiplayer and uh. for, for for 60 dollars it only had five maps and everyone's like oh this isn't enough content but you look at the world now video games that's all you get is multiplayer mm. for 60 dollars 70 dollars you know so it was ahead of its time negative <laughs> yeah. positive whatever you want to call it but yeah i remember writing like I got into that world, and so I, I that's why I like wanted to reach out to you and like speak to you about it because I remember like oh this is a great world. I I remember writing like I say fan fiction for it because it was me writing it from that universe and uh, now I appreciate um all your insight today as far as uh like the conversations and uh sort of that inspiration too because uh the idea too of an audio drama nowadays it's it's quite an undertaking like of course there's other ways to do do it distribute stuff like that but uh you know with people just turning out these like reality based things like podcasts where you just talk you know about whatever or um you know real life news and drama it's refreshing to like go back to almost these old like i said lone ranger mm-hmm. uh war of the worlds type mm-hmm. uh audio drama and yeah i appreciate uh and praise it you know like yeah. your uh you going along with that and and actually like uh you know like a like you said it's it's your passion at the moment as far mm-hmm. as doing it so yeah and and, and i think you know the, the the radio play thing that really is in terms of, of the way I wanted to, wanted it to sound. That was very much my inspiration. Those like, I, I, I have MP3s of old radio shows and taking that idea and putting it into a more modern execution. So it, it doesn't sound like it was made in the forties in terms of, you know, you don't have everyone talking like this, you know, that mm-hmm. kind of thing. Like it, it sounds like it's a modern thing, but, but the way that the story is structured and the fact that there's no narration, all those kinds of things that, I wanted to evoke those those old time radio dramas. And so here's here's a funny story that will show you that I'm an idiot sometimes. When I first got into the 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 general podcasting scene, when I when I branched out a little bit from from the Fallout community and started learning about other podcasts, they talked about actual plays. And I thought, okay, that's that's very similar to what I'm doing, right? An actual play is you have everybody mic'd up and you're doing a stage production, right? Like you're listening to an actual play. And then somebody's like, Brad, it's people playing a tabletop game. It's a, it's a TTRPG podcast. I'm like, Oh, sorry. I'm an idiot. <laughs> but I thought, I thought, boy, that's a, that's a, I thought, boy, that's a great term. Yeah. An actual play because it's really, you know, the stage of your mind and it's just like a stage. And they're like, no, Brad, it's, it's not that at all. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I, I I applaud it. Like it's it's I and I've heard some you know audio dramas and you have the audio books, but it, it, I don't know to to just do it like I said out of your own uh sort of wanting to do it, your passion. It, it's something that like I commend. It's 
as a writer, you know, and, and, you know, with, uh, people like that churning out these podcasts that are just, uh, the same thing over and over again, or reality TV, that's basically, uh, not, you know, made on the cheap for nothing. It's, it's, it's a breath of fresh air to have, uh, original writing and original mm-hmm. stories. You know what I mean? Even if they are based on IPs, they're still original because they're in this world that people, you know, already know exists. And it's, mm-hmm. I don't know, they're, they're good to build upon. You know, it's mm-hmm. just, uh, uh, what, what is it? Just a base and you yeah. add on to it, you know, so. It, it just no. it gets the world building out of the way. So, you know, you, yeah. you don't have you don't have to make your own universe. You have one to, to build from. So that, that that makes the barrier of entry a lot lower because it, it, make, it makes that part of it a lot easier. Yeah, no, definitely. And uh, so I know you're, you're uh, I, I think I heard from your live stream yesterday, you said you were taking a break from mm-hmm. uh, season after season two ended mm-hmm. and you, you do plan to come back for the season three or is that still up in the air? Yeah, I don't know. I, I That's one thing. I, I'm not making any decisions mm-hmm. until at the earliest june but i would think more likely probably sometime into july uh it's i I compared it on the live stream to lebron james not that i'm the lebron james of audio dramas or anything but like he's always said over the past he's like i'm gonna stick around long enough i want to play with my son when when he comes into the nba and that's going to be not next season but the season after and yet after this most recent playoff series against the nuggets he was like, you know, I really got to think about my future. I don't know. I don't know if I'm going to be able to come back because he put himself through an enormous physical toll, an enormous emotional toll. He just lost a playoff series when they were really playing well, playing way above their heads in terms of where they were playing for the, for the season. And, you know, I think he, in his heart of hearts felt, Hey, listen, we have a shot at winning another championship here. So that didn't happen. So he has all that going on. So he, he isn't going to have, he's not in the right headspace to genuinely make that decision. So I'm sure he's going to, he's going to do what he said. He's going to take some time. He's going to think about it, but that's the way that I look at it too. Everything that goes on, you're, you're, you're so many emotional highs and so many emotional lows when you're right at the, at the completion point, right when you've done it. So being able to step back, not think about it for a while, then come back and make that decision. It, 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 it means that you're going to be able to make the, the, the best decision based on the best uh the best available evidence and i mean it's it certainly wouldn't if i don't come back it's not going to be because of a lack of success i mean our momentum in terms of of listenership and everything else just keeps going up like it's it's going up almost exponentially at this point so you know the other thing is i the last time i played fantasy sports was 2003 the reason for that is i won every league i was in I even even the XFL league I won Uh, and I was like you know what I'm done I'm going out on top (laughs) I'm never playing again and I have it I've stuck to it's been it's been 20 years now and I have not played a single fantasy sports league because I believe in going out on top so I'm definitely not going to overstay my welcome so I Mm -hmm. that that goes into it too I think that I certainly have another good season in me like I that I'm not worried about that I don't know what would be in that season I have no idea because I, I I used every idea that I had in season one, and then I had to come up with a whole bunch of new ideas for season two. So I'm out of ideas again. <laughs> so I'll have to come up with something new, but I'm confident that I'd be able to do that. And, yeah. and, you know, we have the support of the community. We have a lot of great listeners. The cast is amazing. All, you know, 
everything that could be positive is positive and it's 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 there so you know it, it's all it's all going to come down to do i want to put myself through with this again um you know i it's th- that's that's the hard part no definitely and uh well i mean as far as uh it being great it is great i hope uh you do choose to come back but i completely understand <laughs> from your explanation you know just uh going out on that high note i i completely understand that uh well i want to thank you for you know your time today yeah. you know, i really appreciate you coming in like uh speaking with me this is yeah, great th- yeah, appreciate uh appreciate you having me on it was a it was a really nice chat thank you yeah no it was an inspiration i i really appreciate it and uh yeah um tell people uh, if you want to tell people where they could find uh all the information for once upon a a wasteland yeah, so the, the show's website is onceuponawasteland.com, so it's easy to find there. There is some show art, the, there's links to each of the episodes, there are scripts for all of the episodes on each episode page, so there's a, a lot of good information there. We're available on every podcast player that's out there, at least everyone that I'm aware of, because I do check. <laughs> uh, mm-hmm. So all you have to do is search for Once Upon a Wasteland, and you will, you'll find it there. On the show's Twitter account is onceupon76pod, my personal Twitter account, which I don't post on as much, is Reticent Duet, and Vitriol's Twitter account is Plays Vitriol. So those are the the, the three uh, Twitter accounts that are associated with the show. Now I'm also on Blue Sky. My uh, handle there is it's Once Upon Dot dot Social for the show account, and then it's Reticent Duet Dot Dot Social for my personal account. Vit is not there yet. I told her as soon as I got on, I was like, don't worry. I'm like, <laughs> my first invite will go to you. Uh, but I don't have, <laughs> but, but I don't have my invites yet. Cause I've only been there for three or four days, uh-huh. but, but, but I am there. Uh, we're, we're on Instagram. Vit has a, has a TikTok account. Uh, but most of the stuff that we do right now is on, is on Twitter. Okay. Yeah, no, definitely uh, put that in the show notes to get people going over there and, Again, yeah, thank you for your time, Brad. I appreciate uh, all the uh, inspiring, you know, uh, information and uh, just having a chat. It was great. Yeah, and and if I, and if I can say one other thing, you mentioned the inspiration thing. If if anybody who's listening is considering doing something like this, do it. Like just start it. Take that first step. Come up with a story. Maybe write some scripts. Just come up with a concept, whatever, and tell your story. You know, that's that's what I did. I'm so glad that Lawrence was there to to inspire me to do it and to help me along. So if anybody is listening and wants to to and feels they have a story to tell, and I think just about everybody has a story to tell. If you mm-hmm. want to tell it, do it. So that's that that's my the closest thing I'll have to words of wisdom. Yeah, I feel like uh there's more regret in not trying than mm-hmm. to try. So yeah, you not... you miss a hundred percent of the shots you don't take. <laughs> I completely agree. And I again, thank you for your time. Uh, I hope to, you know, see a season three and uh, appreciate, uh, you know, your your creative of writing. Keep well, doing you what for, you're doing. <laughs> thank you very much. I appreciate that. All right. And yeah, I think that's it for today. Uh, thank you all for listening. Uh, take care, everybody. <laughs>